consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Please be seated. Our gospel this morning speaks of clothing, and that's a fitting topic as we are invited to celebrate the life of St. Francis of Assisi, son of a dealer in fine cloth, Francis knew the pleasure of wearing fine clothes. We are told that he rode a fine horse, loved music and learning, associated with noble friends and enjoyed parties and good food. But of course, what makes Francis so intriguing to us today is that he renounced all these things and the life that supported them in favor of a life of obedience, chastity, and poverty. He renounced the clothing of his earthly, that his earthly father provided for him in order to be clothed instead by his heavenly father. And his intention, as stated in the first rule of the friar's minor, was, quote, to follow the doctrine and footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ, who says, if thou wilt be perfect, go, sell what thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Well, in terms of clothing, that meant a significantly reduced wardrobe. A brother in the friar's minor dressed simply, and the first rule lays it out pretty plainly. It says, let all the brothers be clothed with mean garments, and they may mend them with sackcloth and other pieces with the blessing of God. Francis's renunciation of earthly goods is something that I first learned of through a picture, a late 13th century painting by that title, that is the title, The Renunciation of Earthly Goods, that is in the upper church of the Basilica di San Francesco in Assisi, Italy. The painting has been attributed to Giotto di Bondone, an artist who in my art education was presented as one of the first European painters to embrace a kind of naturalism that brought new life into the abstract and hierarchical painting of the medieval period in Europe. St. Francis, according to these art historians, was one of the early figures in the Italian Middle Ages who inspired artists to take a careful look at nature. And in the painting titled The Renunciation of Earthly Goods, in which Francis is shown to be giving his clothing over to his father, two groups of people confront one another in what looks like the center of town. Francis's father and a group of townspeople stand on one side, 
and on the other is Francis, a bishop of the church and two tonsured monks. And Francis's father already is holding Francis's clothing while the bishop loosely covers Francis's nakedness with a blue cloth. The wrinkled brows of the churchmen and the blank, doubt-filled faces of the townspeople all demonstrate that no one is exactly pleased with Francis. Francis alone looks up to the sky, and there he sees what no one else notices, the hand of God reaching down in blessing. One reason why this painting might have caught my attention as a young art student was that it presents a kind of crisis with which I felt familiar. My older brother, by the time he reached his early 20s, was succumbing to what was much later diagnosed in his life as schizoaffective disorder. And since we were a religious family, he often expressed that disorder through exaggerated and inflammatory religious posturing. The incongruity and discomfort that he felt in social relations found its outlet in that way. And I saw my dad's reaction to his son's non-conforming behavior. And I watched my father try to understand and fail to understand his son. And I saw these same things at work in Giotto's painting of the standoff between Francis and his father. For my part, I was anxiously drawn into my brother's series of crises. At a gut level, I felt caught up in his topsy-turvy world, and in some sense felt that I never knew when, at least metaphorically speaking, I might find my brother standing naked in the public square. Now, I don't mean in any way to imply that St. Francis was suffering from mental disease. But I do think that to his father and to the average person, the crisis Francis instigated in his renunciation of earthly goods appeared as a product of insanity. It was not sane to give up the clothing of good life and social standing that his father um, had provided. Beyond the embarrassment of Francis's outrageous public gesture of renunciation, everyone there could sense that there lurked within its seed a whole life of crises and losses that no sane person would embrace. Yet a kind of crisis is inherent in the renunciations that our gospel for today lays out for us. Unlike my poor brother's mental illness, the crisis Jesus invites us to is an entirely sane one. It might be called a crisis of the ego. It's a call to give up the control that our inner self insists on assuming a call to give up our anxious preoccupations with self-preservation, self-defense, and identity protection. Well, picture, if you will, 
that these self-protective anxieties are a kind of clothing that has been perfectly tailored to fit our egos. Think of them as a kind of uniform, these anxieties. We polish its buttons, iron its pleats, arrange its straps, rearrange its insignias, straighten its epaulets, and the uniform becomes the symbol of whatever authority we aspire to, a symbol of a hoped-for identity. We put it on as an outward manifestation of our ego. So, of course, we're anxious about getting it right because we imagine that everyone looking on should respond with deference to the display that we have made of this clothing, the display of this ego uniform. But this is exactly what Jesus is calling into question. And he does so by calling up Israel's ultimate best-dressed man, the ego figure of the nation, the man whose riches, power, and authority every Israelite identifies with. Jesus calls upon Solomon, the man in whose reputation every Israelite feels a little bit taller, a bit more respectable. And it is Solomon, then, who comes in for a comeuppance today at the hands of Jesus. For even this spectacular lily of a man cannot compete in the adornment of his finest uniform with the meanest and simplest of the lilies of the field. I'm not sure that Jesus is referring to, when he refers to lily, is referring to what you and I think of when we think of lily today. I think it's more likely that the phrase lilies of the field actually refers to flowers of a much commoner species. I think we're talking about field flowers, the flowers that grow along the roadside, maybe even the flowers that grow in our lawn, like the lowly dandelion. And here in a field of common wildflowers, Jesus delivers a shocking statement to Israel a statement that takes everyone by surprise. Even Solomon, says Jesus, even Solomon in all his glory, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The great man, the man of history, turns out to be the man of lack, the man whose magnificent ego uniform could not outshine even a dandelion. Solomon stands alone as the flowers of the field stretch away from him in all directions. And the flowers seem to laugh at him. They seem to sing disrespectfully in his presence. And of course, in the shadow of Solomon's ego hides the presence of each of our egos. And we all begin to sense that the flowers of the field are also laughing at us. They laugh at our silly arrogance. They laugh at our foolishness. 
the foolishness of folks who think that through discipline and determination, we can add hours, if not years, to our lifespans. The foolishness of folks who think that we are special in our needs for food and drink. The foolishness of folks who imagine themselves unique and separate from the rest of creation. And if we hear and pay attention to this laughter of the flowers, it launches a kind of crisis within us. The crisis comes as we realize how frighteningly small our ego is, how small the anxious thoughts driven by the ego, food, clothing, social standing, all the things that we orchestrate to support our egos shrink away in the face of the largeness of life that Jesus describes. Jesus compares us to birds, to grass, to flowers, to all the other nations of the world, and says, fear not. Yet for us, those comparisons themselves are fearful, because in those comparisons, we imagine that we've lost something of ourselves a loss of distinction from other people and the rest of the created order. How could it be? How could our lives be compared to grass? Where, we might ask, is there a gospel? Where is there good news in a statement like that? The good news is that the renunciation of earthly goods is also a reclamation. It is a reclamation of kingdom citizenship. St. Francis came to the realization that the flowers and grass, the birds and other animals, the trees, the sun, the moon, wind and air, the earth's waters and fields, heat and cold, all these were sister and brother to him. Francis's Canticle of the Sun, which we sang this morning, is an announcement of citizenship in a kingdom of praise. The gospel, the good news that Jesus has for us, is that our Father's good pleasure is to give us that kingdom. It's a kingdom that Solomon, despite all his wisdom, let slip between his fingers. Renunciation, after all, was not a popular topic in Solomon's opulent and tightly controlled kingdom. The Father's good pleasure is to give a kingdom that Solomon anxiously sought to establish for himself. In the end, Jesus tells us that Solomon, for all his statecraft, wisdom, and lavish display, dressed in his finest, could not compete with even the simplest flower of the field. Now our scripture reading today and today's celebration of St. Francis puts Solomon and Francis in contrast Solomon's fine dress, 
and weary philosophical loops of vanity and repetition that echo anxious worry over what has been and what will be stand in sharp contrast to the simple garb of Francis and the more joyful refrains of his Canticle of the Sun. Now, I don't mean for us to beat up on Solomon for all of this. He already stands in enough pain as he manages the load of his heavy empire. But this load of empire, whether we experience it as corporate responsibility or just a personal obligation, is what Jesus and Francis offer to lift. Under and within today's gospel reading, Jesus is saying, let me clothe you. Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest comes as we recognize, as Francis recognized, that me first is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. Francis renounced the clothing of high status, the clothing of me first, in order to put on the clothing of Christ. As St. Paul wrote to the Galatians, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus tells us, is very near to us. It is something that the Father wants to give to us. But how do we receive it? It is not by egotistically taking control of the world and dressing ourselves up in greatness. Nor is it by exiting this world for some fantasy dream world or other. It is, as in the example of Francis, by entering the world with humility and a willingness to honor the sister, mother, and brother relationships that we have with the whole creation. In the end, it is Francis, not Solomon, who has been called a second Christ. This is because Francis put on the clothing of Christ. And this is what we are invited to do today. Renounce the clothing of anxious worry and put on the clothes of Christ. What anxious clothing is Jesus urging you to renounce today? And what more simple garb is he offering for you to put on in its place? But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the fields today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Amen. <laughs>